Amen. This is, and I said it last week, this is my favorite time of the week. This is my favorite thing that I do. I get to open the Word of God. I get to preach. And I, I never want to lose the wonder of the fact that He called me. Amen. He called me to preach His Word. That God trusted His Word into the hands of a man, and, 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 and I'm not worthy of it. But I'm thankful for the chance to preach. I'm thankful for the opportunity to stand in the, this pulpit that belongs to Him and minister His Word. And I believe in the next few moments the Word of God is going to speak into your heart and your life. And I want to challenge you to open your ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. Reading from Hebrews chapter 11, if you stand with me. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read three verses of Scripture. Verses 8, 9, and 10. Hebrews chapter 11. Beginning in verse 8, the scripture says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I will start this morning talking about the faith of Abraham. This is where we are in our journey through the book of Hebrews, Steps of Faith. And the, the next several weeks we're going to be talking about the faith of Abraham. Amen. Would you pray with me and ask the Lord, Lord, challenge me that my faith would be modeled after Abraham's faith. Help us, Lord, in this place this morning on a Sunday morning, Lord, to let the word of God that is about to be preached in this place, let it impact us, let it touch us, and let it change us, God. Let our lives be modeled. Let our faith be modeled. Let our walk with you be modeled, Lord, after this great example of faith that is provided for us in the word of God. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. So our, our journey through Hebrews chapter 11 now brings us to Abraham and here the Hebrew writer slows down a bit and records several verses 12 verses that deal with the faith of Abraham that you know we've seen Enoch in a verse and we've seen Noah in a verse and we saw Abel in a verse but now we see Abraham and it slows down and we see multiple verses it's it's a pattern that is similar to the book of genesis and the book of genesis the first two thousand years of human history are summed up in 11 chapters the first 11 chapters of the book of genesis but then the writer slows down and focuses on the life of abraham for the next 13 chapters amen that that emphasis in both testaments helps us highlight the importance of Abraham's faith. There's a reason why Abraham is referred to in Scripture as the father of the faithful. All of the faithful through the ages, even in the present church age, find the root of their faith in Abraham. Amen? Just like the other examples our Hebrew writers introduced us to, Abraham was a man who walked by faith and not by sight. The first thing I want you to consider 
this morning is his calling. And it's presented to us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. Abraham's story is an extraordinary story. It's a story of an influential leader in a pagan society who received an unsolicited call from God. One day, out of the blue, without any forewarning, God spoke to Abraham and called him to leave everything he knew. That's how the Genesis record goes. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. It was an unusual call. Can you imagine Abraham as he tried to explain to Sarah, his wife, why they had to leave, God called me. She probably looked at him and said, which God? Because his daddy was an idol maker. And in his daddy's shop, there were shelves of gods. Go, go pick one. Which God called you? And Abraham says, no, you don't understand. The one true God, uh, he that is the ancient of days, uh, who was and is uh, and forever will be. I have heard the voice of God. He has called me. How do you explain a call from a God that, when you can't even explain to God? How do you how do you explain to somebody what God's calling you to do when it when it's even it's beyond Abraham's comprehension to even begin to explain who and what God is? Amen. But the thing that makes Abraham's faith so incredible is that he answered God's call with unparalleled obedience, leaving everything behind him. He set out on a journey to grasp a promise that was beyond his comprehension. Not only was it an unusual call, but it was a call to an unknown destination. God never told Abraham where he was going. God never, he, he, he never told him where they would be settling down. The outcome was uncertain. Can you imagine him explaining that to Sarah? So where are we going, Abraham? I really don't know. God just said leave, and we're going to leave. Amen? Amen. It was a call that from the outside looking in must have seemed like an irrational decision. It must have seemed like Abraham had lost his mind. He's off his rocker. Abraham is the only one that heard the call. There were no witnesses to turn to and confirm what he was feeling. There was nobody he could pick up the phone and call and say, yeah, the Lord's dealing with my heart. And they'd say, yeah, he's, he's dealing with me too. I, I heard the same voice. Uh, uh, nobody else would understand. Nobody else would be able to confirm it because nobody else heard the call. Just Abraham. And Abraham was called by God to drop everything and set out on an uncertain journey to an uncertain destination, and God didn't even have the good grace to give him a road map and tell him where he was going. Didn't reveal the destination. He just said, leave. Leave your country. Leave your kindred. Leave your daddy's house. Leave everything you know. Leave everybody you love. Uh, leave everything you've got established. Uh, just leave it all.
That's a difficult thing to do. Family was important in Abraham's day. The, 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 the heritage and the, and the, and the, the long, longevity of a family life. It, you didn't dishonor your father and your mother by just leaving. But God said, leave. And after you leave, after you step out in faith, after you begin to follow me, then I'll show you where we're going. It was an unusual call to an unknown destination. And the reason why Abraham is so central in the discussion of faith in the Bible is because Abraham demonstrated extraordinary faith. Now, if you'll give me just a minute, I'm going to go all geek on you. I am, I'm learning Greek. I'm in my second semester of Greek, and, and I, I opened the Greek Bible that I have and looked at this text in Greek because we're reading some from the New Testament now in my Greek class and wanted to see if I could understand and uh, just just for own, my own personal enjoyment, look and see if I can figure out the Greek. And, and I, I discovered something I think you'll find quite interesting. The Greek text of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 begins with five words. The first is pisti, which means by faith. The second is kalumenos, which means being called. The third is abraham, abraham which is Abraham. And the fourth is Upe Kusin, which means obeyed. And the fifth is Exelthine, which means went out. By faith, being called, Abraham obeyed and went out. Because of the complexity of the sentence in the Greek, our English translation doesn't insert the fact that he obeyed until after it describes the fact that uh, of the destination where he was going. In fact, he, he didn't know where he was going, and, and it, it, was a, it was a place that he received for an inheritance. The, 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 the English text doesn't tell us that he obeyed until way down in the sentence. But if you're a Greek reader and you begin to read this passage in its original language, you would see the words faith and obedience appearing at the very beginning of the sentence. Uh, the point that the writer of Hebrews seems to be making that may be a little lost in the English translation is that Abraham's obedience was immediate while he was being called. Uh, he obeyed. Uh, not after he was called. Uh, not a few days later. Uh, not after he had the chance to hold a conference uh, with his family and take a vote. Not after he had the time to persuade Sarah while he was being called Abraham obeyed that's faith that's faith that's the faith that says God said it that settles it amen I'm gonna go that's consistent with the Genesis account going back to Genesis chapter 12 I'll begin reading again at verse 1, but I'm going to be, go beyond it. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then verse 4. So, 
God starts talking in verse 1. It's an, un, it's an unsolicited call. It's an unusual call. It's a, right out of nowhere. And then in verse 4, immediately after God gets done talking, uh, the Bible tells us, So Abraham departed uh, as the Lord had spoken unto him. At this point, he doesn't know the country. He doesn't know the distance. Uh, he's not even sure of the exact direction of his destination. Uh, he simply heard God's call and he obeyed. Uh, amen. There wasn't even a discussion. Uh, I talked about how hard it would have been to, to convince Sarah. He went home and said, honey, pack your bags. We're leaving. Uh, amen. We're not even taking the time to talk about this. Uh, we're not taking the time to reason this out. Uh, while he was being called, he obeyed God. That's the kind of faith that God's calling us to have. Amen. Abraham's faith was manifest, first of all, by the readiness with which he left his house, his home, his family, everything he knew, and answered the call of God, that, that call to a new home, which he'd never seen before, and which he even after he entered into, he would never possess it. But by faith, Abraham being called obeyed. Uh, amen. Faith and obedience this morning uh, are absolutely inseparable in your relationship with God. Uh, it's one thing to say you believe God, uh, but if you don't obey God, then you're not telling the truth, my friend, uh, because faith always yields obedience. Uh, they are inseparable. Amen. Indeed, the biblical narrative says in one place that Abraham was justified because he believed God. But in another place, God confirms to Isaac that it was because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. That's why I blessed him. Amen. He, he would, if he had not obeyed the divine call, if he had not taken God at his word, if he had not taken that step of faith, you wouldn't be able to say that Abraham believed in things unseen. Uh, Abraham believed in that which he did not know, uh, that which he did not understand. Uh, his obedience was the outward evidence of his inward faith. People say, oh, pastor, I got faith in my heart. If you got faith in your heart, it shows up in your life. Amen. If you got faith in your heart, uh, it shows up in your obedience to God. We talked at length last week on the same idea when we we're talking about Noah, a faith that believed in a flood, a flood that had never seen rain, he'd never heard of, enough to build a boat that was too big to move, make a spectacle of himself. Noah was challenged to believe in that which seemed unreasonable and that which seemed impossible and that which seemed thoroughly unbelievable. And in spite of it all, he believed and he obeyed. Uh, that's what we find now with Abraham. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him and demanded that he leave. Uh, leave everything you know. Uh, leave everything that is certain uh, and sure in your life. Uh, leave everything that you have established. Uh, leave it all and follow me. Uh, and I'm not even going to tell you where you're going uh, until you first leave. That's notable. Those of us that know Abraham's story, we sometimes get a misperception. And I want to set that straight. It's notable that Abraham did not leave his home 
because of an assurance that he would inherit the land that was his destination. Abraham didn't even know where he was going when he left, much less that there would be a land as an inheritance. When he started, he only knew that God had called him, and while he was being called, he obeyed. God called him to a land that he would reveal to him at some point in the journey. And God told him, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Uh, but there's no mention of land. It's in verse 7. Let me start with verse 5. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5. And Abram took Sarah, his wife. She just didn't have any choice in the matter. All the gentlemen say amen. Took Sarah and his wife and, they, and Lot and his brother's son and all their sustenance that they gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. So the whole journey is encapsulated in those few words. And Abram passed through the land under the place of Sichem under the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And then in verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Uh, and there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. My point is this. God didn't bribe Abraham to leave his home and his country and his kindred uh, and everything that he knew. God didn't say, if you follow me, then I'm going to give you a new home and a new kindred and new possessions. Uh, and I'm going to give you a promised land. Uh, God only said, if you follow me, I will bless you. And you don't have to to know what the blessing is uh, to obey my call. Uh, you don't have to understand where we're going uh, to take the step of faith. Uh, I'm calling you to follow me and see. And Abraham had to act in faith before he even knew the extent of the blessing. It was an unusual call. It was an unknown destination. And it was extraordinary faith. That's the reason why Abraham is the father of the faithful. That's why all things related to faith in God find their root in Abraham's life because it took absolute faith in God uh, to respond to such an audacious call of God. Uh, amen. And it's not just that it happens to Abraham. It happens to you and it happens to me. God calls uh, and says, leave everything you know behind. Uh, forsake everything that you built your life on uh, and surrender your life to me. Uh, give everything to me come and follow me and it takes faith to follow him amen abraham was a wealthy man no doubt he was a man of position with valuable holdings and a comfortable lifestyle and it's very likely that abraham would have been satisfied to live out his days in ur and have died in peace but god had other plans for him the call was unmistakable, and Abraham's obedience to it can only be characterized as faith. By faith, Abraham set out to follow God. He couldn't see the future. He couldn't see where he was going. He embraced an unseen promise, and he walked into an uncertain future, trusting God, and that trust was all he had. The Hebrews of writer goes on, uh, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews goes on to describe the outgrowth of Abraham's incredible faith. 
when he finally reached the place that God promised would be an inheritance for him and all the generations that would follow him would possess this land. When he got to that place and God said, I'm going to give you this land as your inheritance, Abraham's journey never stopped. Watch this. The real lesson to be learned in Abraham's life is that he never stopped being a stranger and a sojourner even in the land of promise. That's what the Hebrew writer tells us in verse 9, Hebrews 11 and 9. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham obeys God's call, and he follows God to the land of promise. Uh, but when he gets there, he chooses to live in that land as a sojourner, as a stranger, as a pilgrim. Amen. God sent I'm going to give it to you. It is ironic for the owner of the land to live in temporary quarters. And make no mistake about it, God told him he would own the land. But Abraham lived in a tent. Even in the land of promise, Abraham lived in a tent. That speaks volumes about the faith of Abraham. As he journeyed through a land that was his by promise, he refused to put down roots. He refused to establish a permanent presence there by this thing called faith. He lived in the land of promise as if it were a foreign land. And the reason that he did it was because he was looking for a city which hath foundations, whose building builder and maker is God. Uh, Abraham's faith recognized something that many lesser men would have failed to grasp. Uh, Abraham's faith recognized uh, that there was much more to the promise of God uh, than just a piece of land uh, in the Middle East. Uh, Abraham's faith reached out and got a hold of the fact uh, that there was something worth living for that was more than just houses and cities uh, and fields and vineyards. Uh, Abraham made himself uh, a stranger in the land of promise uh, because his faith recognized uh, there's a promise beyond this world. Uh, there's a heaven to gain. Uh, amen. There's a promised land uh, that's beyond what I can see and what I can understand. Uh, amen. And that's what I'm living for. Something extraordinary happened in the life of Abraham, and it'll unfold further in the book of Hebrews, but by faith he got a hold of something. Much more than just the material blessings of the promised land. By faith, he recognized that there was a heavenly inheritance, uh, incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Amen. That inheritance that makes that earthly inheritance pale in comparison. Uh, amen. There's no way that I could overemphasize uh, how extraordinarily important it is uh, that Abraham lived in the land of promise uh, in a tabernacle or, or a tent. Uh, amen. In a, in a temporary dwelling place. Uh, in the land that God said, I'm going to give it to you. It's yours for an inheritance. Uh, he never possessed it. It was a statement of faith. It was his declaration. I'm living for something beyond this world. 
I'm living for something beyond what my eyes can see. I'm living for something beyond what what I I can touch and feel. Amen. His faith was demonstrated for everyone to see in his tent. Wherever he pitched his tent, he set up a temporary dwelling. And he said, "I, I may be here now, amen, but this isn't what I'm living for. Amen. This may be where I've settled, but this isn't what I'm settling for. Amen. I'm living for a world. I'm living for a promise. I'm living for a city whose builder and maker is God. His faith told everyone who would look that Abraham was a pilgrim. Now, let me tell you the significance of that. Canaan was a land of cities. As a matter of fact, Cain, in Genesis chapter 4, built the first human city in Canaan. It was the seat of society. It was the seat of culture. The world's system was birthed and born in Canaan. You can read the account in Genesis chapter 4. Civilized culture finds its roots in Canaan. As early as Genesis 4, there was established in Canaan the pattern that all of human civilization has followed since. There were arts and sciences. There was human government. There was the development of a military strength. Uh, Cain City contained every aspect of human society, including crime and murder and corruption and carnal desires led to perverse lifestyles. Uh, and men justified their wrongs uh, as if they were right. Uh, and all of that was first established uh, in Canaan. Uh, and the Canaan land set the pattern uh, that marked all of human civilization uh, for the rest of history even after the flood and God sent Abraham into that land and at the seed of civilization Abraham determined to live as a nomad He did so because his faith was not in cities that are built with men's hands. You see, the biblical record tells us that Canaan was the first place in human history where they dug foundations and built their cities on foundations. But Abraham's faith, every time he pitched his tent, he said, I'm looking for a city which hath the foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Uh, If you allow me to go back to the Greek one more time, uh, that word foundations uh, and that word city uh, had before them in the Greek the definite article. There's no way to translate that except the city that has the foundations. Uh, Abraham didn't say I'm just looking for any old city, uh, but I'm looking for the one. Uh, I'm looking for that city uh, that has the foundations, uh, whose builder and maker is God. Uh, That city, my friend, is heaven. Amen? And Abraham was living for heaven. And, and the significance of that was demonstrated in his tent. You see, tents don't have foundations. Abraham looked at the world around him and declared by faith, you've built your life on foundations of stone, but I'm building mine on foundations of faith. You go ahead and live in your houses. You go ahead and build your walled cities, but I'm going to live in a tent because this home, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And by rejecting men's cities and living in a tent, 
Abraham was making a statement of faith. I refuse to build my life uh, on carnal foundations erected by foolish men. Instead, I'm looking forward to the found uh, city that, with the foundations that were established by God. Uh, his city is my city. Uh, and until I arrive there, I'm going to live in a tent down here. The demonstration of Abraham's faith was his attitude about the world in which he lived. It was a mindset that said, this is all temporary. It's all wood, hay, and stubble. All of this is going to burn one of these days. The only thing that matters is that I make heaven my home. The only thing that matters, I'm striving for something that is lasting. I'm striving for something that is eternal. I can't afford to stop and put down roots here. I can't afford to stop and build foundations here and build me a house here, something that will last for the ages. Because if I do... I might miss that promise uh, that I'm living for. I'm living for a city. Rather than taking the time to dig footings and establish foundations in this world, I'm going to establish a temporary dwelling here. Listen, we're strangers and pilgrims. This life, how do I this is a transitory place. Uh, we're passing from here to glory. Amen. The Bible said uh, that life is short uh, and full of trouble. Amen. It's like a vapor just waiting to pass. Uh, like the morning dew that in just a moment fades away and it's gone. Uh, amen. But my eternal life uh, is everlasting. Uh, from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, amen. I'm never going to see death uh, after I pass over that river uh, and get on the other side of glory. Amen. And there's something there worth living for. This is I don't want to settle for what is down here. Even though God had promised him the land, even though it had been established by the word of God that the generations that would follow him would inherit it, Abraham lived a life that said, this may be where I live, but this isn't what I'm living for. This may be where I've settled, but this isn't what I'm settling for. Uh, the father, the faithful, was a living example of the fact uh, that nothing on this earth uh, can satisfy the longing of the soul. Uh, his tent was the evidence, uh, amen, the, uh, the fact that having caught a glimpse of glory, everything else in this life uh, paled in comparison, and every time he pitched his tent uh, in a new transitory location. Uh, he was declaring in his faith, uh, this may be my promised inheritance, uh, but I'm living for something more. I'm living for that city. It's the cry of the saints through all the ages. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I don't belong here. I don't fit in down here. I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. I'm living for something greater than what I can see with my eyes, than what I can understand with my mind. Amen. I'm striving for something that I haven't fully comprehended, something that I've just glimpsed on the horizon of my faith. I don't know everything there is to know 
about it. I, I don't understand it yet. I've never set foot there, but there is a city, uh, amen, that I'm striving for. There is a destination uh, that I'm living for, and my faith has embraced it. And I'm fully persuaded that I'm living for something more than what this world has to offer. Listen, Abraham was always a nomad. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 5, he gave him, speaking of God, God gave him being Abraham. God gave Abraham none inheritance in it. The land's yours, your seed's going to inherit it. But Abraham didn't inherit any of it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. God promised Abraham Canaan, but Abraham never, ever owned any land in Canaan except a burial plot. He never built a house there. He never built a permanent dwelling there. He and his children lived in tents. The only land that Abraham ever bought in Canaan was a field, a place for him to bury his lovely wife, Sarah, a place where he would be buried, a place where the patriarchs of the faith would be buried alongside him and save that burial plot he never owned anything in that land. He lived as a pilgrim. He lived in a tent. And he never lost sight of the fact uh, that his residence in this world was temporary. There's so much preaching that could be done. And I recognize this Sunday morning. And I'll just tell you the truth. I lectured for over two hours, close to two and a half hours Friday night on this subject. There's so much that could be said. But I, I'm not going to try to say it all. But I will say this. In the biblical context, a stranger is a person away from his homeland that is living in a temporary home away from home. He's not an immigrant. An immigrant is somebody who moves into a culture and conforms to the culture. Immigrants learn the language. At least most of them do. They learn how to conduct business in the culture that they've moved to. They, they become, they, they strive to, there's a reason why the citizenship process in the United States of America is called naturalization. It, it, it's the process of becoming like a natural citizen. You, you've moved here, and David is an immigrant. I don't know all of his history, but you move here, and you set your, your home here, and this is your life, and you integrate yourself into this culture. But we're not immigrants, amen? We weren't called to integrate ourselves uh, into the culture of this world. Uh, we haven't shifted our allegiance. Amen. Our home that we're living in uh, is not permanent. Uh, it's a home away from home. Uh, and we're living for a while uh, in this temporary place. Uh, but we're just passing through. Amen. The word stranger as it relates to the church is often coupled with a second word that gives explanation to the first. In some words, that second word is sojourner. In other word places, that second word is pilgrim. And those two words, though they have different initial meanings, they convey the same idea. A pilgrim or a sojourner 
is a stranger in a strange land who is on his way back home. A pilgrim is passing through. A pilgrim is on a journey. And though his journey brings him to a foreign land, and though he may have to settle there for a while, that's not his destination. He's just passing through. When the two terms are combined in scriptures, they often are. They convey the idea of a stranger that's living in a foreign land but is making preparations to return home. This is the image of the Christian life. It's a stranger has firm intentions. I may be here now. But this isn't what I'm living for. I'm a stranger down here. I've got no intention of making my home uh, in this world. Uh, Amen. I'm passing through. Uh, I'm going somewhere else. Uh, Amen. My home is a a city uh, that has foundations uh, that were built and made by God. Someone said it this way. A fugitive is one who's running from home. A vagabond is one who has no home a stranger is one who is away from home but a pilgrim is one who is on his way back home and i come to remind you on this sunday morning from the faith of abraham that this world is not your home we are citizens of heaven And though we temporarily live here, listen, honey, you weren't made for this world. You were made for eternity. Amen. And in just a few days, I'm going to attend the funeral of a very dear man of God that I love with all of my heart. And he is lying on what will be his deathbed unless God intervenes right now. And we'll mourn the fact that his life was so temporary and so brief. Uh, But the scripture said we will not mourn uh, as those without hope uh, because we understand Joy Harris wasn't made for this world. Uh, He wasn't made for this life. Uh, He was made for eternity. And no matter how short uh, it may be, no matter how sudden the end may be, no matter how abrupt it may all come to an end Uh, amen he's going to step on the other side of glory and he's going to live for eternity in the presence of God that's what we're living for I come to this pulpit today to remind you this world is not your home that we live here we work here we make our living here we build a life here but we do so with a constant awareness that one of these days I want to hear the sound of a trumpet and those which are dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain uh, shall be caught up together with them uh, in the air. Uh, amen. And just like Abraham, uh, there's a day coming when we're going to show. Uh, amen. We were in this world, uh, but we weren't of it. Uh, Abraham lived in Canaan, but he never became a Canaanite. He was in that world, but he was never of that world. That's the challenge for your faith. To live in this world, but not be of this world. We make our home here just like everybody else. We interact with this culture just like everybody else. We live here, but this isn't what we're living for. And in a spiritual sense, we live in tents. Temporary dwellings. Temporary 
places that we live, but we live with the expectation that we're on a journey. And sooner or later, we're going home. Sooner or later, we're going to be with the one who called us. Sooner or later, we're going to hear the clarion call, the trump of God, and we're finally going to be able to join the voice of the saints of all the ages and say goodbye, world, goodbye. I'm leaving behind heartache. I'm leaving behind trouble. I'm leaving behind all the things that have plagued my earthly existence. Goodbye, world, goodbye. I'm living for something beyond what I can see. I'm living for something beyond what I can understand. I'm living for something beyond this world that is around me. That's the difference between the church and the world. It's the difference between Abraham and the Canaanites. They built cities. They settled for a land that was not theirs. Abraham, who could have laid claim to that land, he lived in a tent because he said, I refuse to settle for this because this is so much less what my promise is. Would you stand with me? In the culture of our world, this world is all there is. It's the treasure that is accumulated down here that matters from the viewpoint of the world. It's a life you make. I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. The life is about that dash between that beginning and that ending two years on the tombstone and it's that dash in between that encapsulates all of our life and living and from this world's point of view that's all there is you better make the best of it do the best you can accumulate wealth or whatever all else and try your best to make the best life that you can and and I don't have a problem with trying to live a good life and I don't have a problem with trying to guarantee the security of your family and your children but the viewpoint of a funeral of a pilgrim says uh, that the treasures of this world uh, have lost their luster. Uh, I'm not living uh, for material gain. Uh, I'm living for a treasure uh, that's laid up in heaven. Uh, amen. That's what shines. Uh, that's what gleams. Uh, that's what I'm living for. Yes, I'm going to take care of my kids. If I drop dead tomorrow, I've got $200,000 worth of life insurance. Y'all can come ask Sister Angie for a loan. Amen. I want to take care of my kids. I want to take care of my wife. I want to take care of my home. But I want to take care of my soul. Because my soul is going to live forever. And I want to make sure that heaven is my home. So I'm setting my sights somewhere above this land that I can see. Set things unseen. I'm establishing my direction somewhere beyond what I can understand. And I refuse to settle for that which is temporal and that which is fleeting and that which is passing. This world is not my destination. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm living for something more. It's a way of living. There's so much more I could say. 
but I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost right now. God's calling somebody in this place, calling more than one somebody's. It's a way of living, and I want to challenge you this morning to make a conscious decision. I'm not going to put down roots here. I'm not going to settle here. There's so many that have settled on the wrong side of the River Jordan. There's so many that have gotten attracted to the things of this world and just said, you know what, I'm just going to settle for what I can see down here, for what seems real to me, for what seems to be the momentary pleasure of this life. Uh, but I'm calling a church to say, I, I, I'm not going to settle. Uh, I'm not going to dig a foundation. Uh, I'm not going to build me a home. Uh, I'm just going to pitch me a tent uh, because one of these days, honey, I'm packing up and I'm moving on. Uh, this world is not my home I'm just a passing through it's a different kind of altar call this morning I'm calling the saints I'm calling the church come let's make a declaration of faith I know what I'm living for my hope is not in this world my hope is not in the things of this world my hope is in heaven, and I'm going to set my sights a little higher. I'm going to lift my eyes. We get bogged down in all of our troubles. You hadn't come to the altar yet, so I'm just going to keep preaching. We get bogged down in all the affairs of this life. Heaven's calling in this place this morning, saying, Lift up your eyes. There's more to this thing than the trouble and the temporary hardships and trials. There's more to this thing than just what's going on right now. Hallelujah. There's something worth living for. There's something worth striving for. There's something worth reaching for. Amen. This world is not your home. I'm going to ask you to reach out in faith and lay a hold of a promise. Amen. I'm going to ask you to reach out in faith and make a declaration. I'm going to live like Abraham lived. I want to live in faith. Would you call out to him right now?